You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. everybody it's marcus d'angelo and we are back for another episode of everybody's got a pod but this week we're gonna do something a little different it's the most wonderful time of the years we all know but it's also cold and flu season and our guy ted is down with an illness this week he's okay and we're actually going to be recording something this weekend but for this week's episode i thought we'd take a look back at something really fun that ted and i did earlier this year on my other podcast, The Snake Pit with Jake Roberts, I managed to get Jake and Ted together to talk about their rivalry and the build-up to their fantastic match at WrestleMania 6. Ted and I will absolutely be taking a deeper dive on the subject down the road, but for now, I thought it might be nice to get some perspective on the subject with a little help from Jake the Snake. We'll be back in action next week with a look back at the new generation era and in-your-house season's beatings. But for now, enjoy this look back into the Snake Pit archives with two legendary performers who made magic of one of the biggest shows in WWE history. We are here in the Snake Pit, and of course, I'm joined by the Hall of Famer Jake the Snake Roberts. But if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see it. we've got something a little bit different going on. Jake and I are joined by the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. Ted, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Good to be with both of you. Man, couldn't be more thrilled to have you, Jake. I know that the two of you, getting the two of you together is uh, is going to make for some magic. Candidly, I'm fighting a stomach bug as as we speak. However, right. however, I'm pushing go, through bug, this go. thing. <laughs> it's let me say, I've I've been doing the job for about two days now. I'm ready to. Uh, I hope finally... you shit yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we might have me live shitting myself on this podcast. That would be awesome. Let's see what happens. But man, I'm I'm just so thrilled to have the two of you here together. No uh, shit. Me too. Good man. to be with you, man. <laughs> Well, uh, before we get started, I did want to let everybody know that Ted and I also do a podcast together called Everybody's Got a Pod. Jake was kind enough to do, to do the introduction for the two of us, and we are on our fifth week of that podcast now. Uh, right, man. man, Ted has really taken to podcasting, and if you love what Jake and I do here on the Snake Pit, I can guarantee you're going to love what we do on Everybody's Got a Pod. So, uh, Jake, we last, last left off on our story about Ted DiBiase back in January uh, at around Survivor Series 89. Uh, but before we resume that, I did want to kind of take a look back at the history between the two of you while I've got you here. Uh, Ted, Jake has it that the two of you would have met back in 74 when he was acting as a referee. Do you have any memory of that? Yeah, I, I do. Because I, I just I, re I remember that, you know, when I first met him, you know, he wasn't actively wrestling. And I, I think you just started refereeing in my yeah, life. Yeah, Yeah. And I, and I mean, we were both green as grass. I mean, and I had, you know, I actually started that the summer of 75 is when I, when I came to Mid-South and started. And so, uh, and it was right around there when we met. So now any, any truth to the rumor that you may have uh, punched Jake after one of your matches? During the match. During the match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was wrestling my father. <laughs> you remember this, Ted? Uh, well, yeah. He said, punch me. Punch me. Okay. 
and you, you let him have Boom. it. Yeah. I figured, well, well, they're both about the same age, him and my dad, you know. <laughs> and, uh... Uh, yeah. uh, I do not take that shit. Uh, all right. Uh, you guys were two of the biggest stars in Mid-South by the mid-80s. W- would you have been around each other, um, uh, you know, in between then and 74? Uh, oh, gosh. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Where? Georgia? In Mid-South, yeah. In Mid- and, or in Mid-South. Just in Mid-South. Mid-South. Yeah. Okay. So you guys had crossed paths along the way. When yeah. did you guys kind of start to build a, a friendship? I mean, then. We're still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Ted by by eighty six. I love this guy so. I mean, and I'm I'm being serious. People ask me this all the time. They go, "Yeah, yeah, who who was your favorite guy to wrestle with?" And it's it's a hard question to answer because there are there are several. You know, I mean, there's the the people that were influential in the beginning of my career, the funks and all those people. But but uh, I have I have said if I had to pick one, and I don't know if Jake's ever heard this. If I had to pick one, it would probably be Jake because wow. we we did the dance together so well, and yeah, that's we because did. we came from the same psychology of wrestling, which is unfortunately uh, a dying thing and needs to be resurrected. So, anyway, no, I mean a psychology and really just chemistry between the two of you. I mean it was evident in everything that you guys did. WWE shared a, a video not all that long ago of you two uh, working in Mid South. Looked like you were at an outdoor stadium, and, yeah, and Tulsa. you guys, Tulsa, and <laughs> yeah. and you guys just killed it then. Yeah, and you know this is years before you're on the biggest stage in wrestling in the WWF. So just yeah. incredible. Uh, I hear a lot about the party scene in Mid South during that era. Are we able to share any stories from uh, from either of you at that I time? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, this just totally slips in my mind. Yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> you know, actually, Ted and I didn't didn't get to do much of the party scene there because at the time, all the guys were living in Alexandria. Yeah, and we worked. I was yeah. living in Baton Rouge, and he lived in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. So we made a lot of road trips by ourselves where we hopped in the car with my father. Yeah. And then, and then like when I first started, like, again, go back to 75, you know, and the guy who got me booked was Dick Murdoch. Cause you know, he, you know, again, another guy from Texas and I, you know, my relationship with the funks and all of that, but Dick Murdoch also was from Texas. And he said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to work for Bill Watts in mid South. He said, you know, Last summer, you refereed. He says, maybe you need to get your feet wet and get started. And looking back at it from where I am now, oh, my gosh. The the unbelievable amount of talent that I was exposed to, that the guys that I had to work with when I was just starting was just like, oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. Man. Man, some uh, some heavy hitters to be yeah. sure. I mean, Dick Murdoch, what a legend, and a legendary uh, beer drinker from from what I've been told. <laughs> right. <laughs> my dad's my dad had an old '69 Ford LTD. Will uh, LTD that will I tell him how about much, how about that beer drinking with DiBiase and uh, Murdoch because they barred my father's car one night <laughs> and went down to the French Quarter. Yes, yes. Go ahead and. Uh, <laughs> 
they stopped on the way out of the beer joints to uh, eat about six hot dogs. <laughs> and those no. hurricanes did not mix well with the hot dogs. Oh, oh no. no, no. And so driving back, they Ted's got to go. Oh, yeah. So he uh, did. Well, no, the, the other thing. The, the before before they the before they be throwing up everything, we you know we're, we're coming yeah. off the, the, the bridge for the poncha train, and thank God we we had just got off the bridge and pow, a flat tire. So now we're in Grizz's car. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know his car. He uh, Dick doesn't know his car, and so we're looking for the uh, you know. It's kind of like you get the jack in the old jack. Just had he had the base, but there was a big another piece you put on there, and that piece went all the way under the bumper. Not on this car. All all this car had was a little slit, and there's just a little a little hook, and that's all you got to do is get that hook in the slit and jack it up. Uh, or us two dummies didn't know that. You know, we're looking around thinking part of our jack is missing, and so, and um, and so uh, I'm, you know, I'm crawling around on the ground looking for it, and Murdoch's going, "Get up, get up, Teddy!" He says, "Car stopping." I said, "Good, we need some help." I crawled <laughs> up to the two shiniest black boots you've ever seen, and I looked up, and there's a state trooper. And in Louisiana, they, they wear those Mountie hats, right? And he's got his arms crossed like this, looking at me. Oh and, God! And his exact words: "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, officer." I'm look. I'm looking for my nuts. I mean, lug nuts. <laughs> he said, probably right on both accounts. <laughs> Just, but you know, Murdoch, Murdoch, uh, Murdoch could talk his way out of anything, and and uh, and he did. He said, you know, I, you know, I apologize, officer. He says, you know, we're wrestlers. You know, the kid had never been to Bourbon Street, and I took him down there, and that's, you know, I got him drunk, and that's what it is. So he ended up, you know, helping us finish getting the getting the tire fixed which you know that would that made us both feel like we were stupid he said oh, you know your checks right here he, he showed how to do it we got the thing on now we got like maybe 10 or 15 miles left to get into baton rouge and all of those oysters and chili dogs and oh, hurricanes no. are mixing and i'm going i i can't do it Dick, pull i i'm not stopping i said well he said, just roll the window down and let her rip. And I did. I mean, from from, from the window all, all the way. When I, we got out of the car, we, when us, we were staying at that, oh, the, the 10 flags in. 10 flags. Oh, God, yeah. You talk about a, a place you don't want to stay. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And so, you know, we get there. It's like 3 o'clock in the morning. And, I, and when I got up and looked out the window, well, it had rained. And so it, the, the, the rain had washed all of the crap off of the, off of the car. And, and then I walked around the back and went, oh, my God. <laughs> Where we had tried to jack the car up and it fell. Well, when it fell, it was like somebody took a can opener to, to Grizz's bumper. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I called Dick and he says, oh, don't worry about it. We'll, 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 we'll pay for it. So the next time I looked out the window, Grizz is there and he's standing in the back of his car with his arms folded. <laughs> looking. And, and then, and then we told him, he said, you know, hey, Grizz, you know, you know, get it fixed. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll be happy to take care of it. He says, you know what? I'm going to leave it just like it is. 
And we looked at each other and said, why? He says, because every time somebody asks me how that happened, I'm going to tell them about you two dumb asses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb and say he didn't let you borrow the car again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't ask anymore. <laughs> Man, unbelievable. Uh, and uh, I knew that it would just take a little bit of prodding and we get some kind of fun story from uh, from the Mid-South Territory because, man, everything I've heard was like the Wild West down there. It was. It was yeah. like the Wild West. It was, a, it was a joke, but it was a truth. There weren't many bars the guys could get into anymore. Yeah. Because of all the fighting. Because of all the fighting. Yeah. And, and that was due to Dr. Death, Hacksaw, yeah. Yeah. and uh, a couple of others. Oh yeah, those, those yeah. are the names I always hear about getting into the. Oh, Hercules Hernandez. Oh yeah, yep. he was another one. So <laughs> we were barred from everything, man. Yeah, even oh. you, Jake. While you're like just sitting there, just trying to hang out, they're like all of you wrestlers out. Oh yeah, uh, man, amazing. Uh, on both of our podcasts, I'm hoping to cover more of the Mid South days because, man, I find the whole thing fascinating. For right now, though, uh, Ted by by '86, Jake was off to the WWF, and you wouldn't follow him there until like the next year. So as your pal is off to the biggest stage in wrestling and enjoying some really huge, huge success up there, yeah, uh, were you feeling at all like you needed to make the move there as well? Well, the other thing that I had going on at, at that time was I had a really good deal in Japan. Uh, Stan Hansen and Bruiser Bodie at one time were the two uh, most famous pro wrestlers that were foreigners in Japan. And Brody jumped to the other company, to New Japan. And when he did that, Stan needed a partner, and he came to me and he says, "Do you want the job?" And I said, "Are you kidding? It's a pig's ass pork." Yeah, <laughs> thank you. You know, because my pay went up, uh, and, and my trips to Japan were more. So I mean, you know, I you know, well, Stan. Once Stan had his deal in Japan, he never wrestled in the states anymore. And and I I kind of came to that crisis point with it too, you know, when. Uh, I think I was in, uh, I was working Houston because Bill had, you know, obtained, he he bought, he bought out, what's the guy in Houston? Uh, I can't remember his guy. Paul Bosch. Paul Bosch. He bought Bosch out. So Houston was his down now. Anyways, I was standing in the back watching the match and, and talking to Bruce Pritchard and Pritchard tells me, he says, I'm about to fly to New York to, see about getting the job. And I said, well, throw my name out there. I said, they know me. I was there once before. And so um, I I go on another trip to Japan and I came back to the hotel one night and there's a message uh, called Bruce Pritchard ASAP. I said, okay. So I called Bruce and I said, what's up? He says, two things have happened. He says, when you get back to Mid-South, uh, Bill is no longer your boss. I said, what? He, he sold the company to Jim Crockett. You know, Bill saw what was coming. Bill was, Bill's a sharp guy. He saw what was coming. And, 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 and he, and, 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 and in my conversation with him, it was, it was too far gone for me to start this. I tried, he says, but it was, it wasn't going to happen. And so he just got out. So, and, and he says, and the other thing is do not sign a contract with Jimmy Crockett because Vince is really interested in you. So, and then the rest is history. Okay, let's take a minute to discuss our fantastic sponsor that is changing the lives of men everywhere. Of course, we are talking about Blue Chew. 
Are you ready to perform with the confidence of the million dollar man in the bedroom? Are you ready to leave your partner feeling like a million bucks? Are you ready to get that thing so hard you could go hunting with it? If the answer to all those questions is yes, it's time for you to give Blue Chew a try. Blue Chew can help increase your performance and regain that old confidence where it counts the very most. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so that you can plan ahead or be ready when that opportunity springs up. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part of it, it's all done online. You can forget about those visits to the doctor's office, no more weird, awkward, uncomfortable conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. It comes right to you. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But you know the drill, guys. There's not going to be anything discreet about your package. Men everywhere have never been more excited to see their mail carrier arrive because when your package arrives, your package arrives. Listen, I know what your next question is. Will it actually work? Why don't you try it for free and find out for yourself? Something free from the Million Dollar Man? That's right. You can try it right now for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's it. Place your order now and give your partner a very pleasant surprise. Women are attracted to confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Don't wait any longer. Time to chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Everybody's Got a Pod man and next thing you know you're up there and you've got a gimmick that uh that's that you know unparalleled jake uh, one thing that i missed talking to you about on our last episode about ted was that he came in he landed this gig um pretty much as good as anybody could hope we're talking about limousine service everywhere five-star hotels first uh, class first class of airplanes yeah that got that got him some heat that's yeah. what I was going to ask. He's also carrying around, as Ted pointed out on our show, $2,000 in cash that Vince gave him where he yeah. could just kind of spend it as as necessary to prove that he is the million dollar man and then just save the receipts. Um, yeah. Yeah. What I were would, you thinking? I would, I would take the receipts to him and he would replenish it. And of course, he said, you know, don't abuse it or you lose it. You know, and so, you know, yeah, you know, that got over like a fart in church too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but I mean, most of the guys were like, if I had got if, if anybody else had had that opportunity, I mean, who's going to turn it down? No. Um, so you know, but you know, but that you know, the limousines all the time and and all that, you know that that went for about the, the first year, and then then we quit have then we then the limousines were just for paper pay per view weekends, and uh, you know it was kind of like then the uh, you know. I'm I'm riding around with my chauffeur Virgil. <laughs> God bless Virgil. But you know, I'm sorry, he's just, uh, you know, that's punishment enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew Jake would put the punctuation mark on. <laughs> um, well, right at all. So. Jake, do you remember a lot of jealousy, or, or was everybody pretty much cool with it just because Teddy's paid his dues? 
Yeah, Teddy had paid his dues, man. There weren't too many guys. The guys that were barking about it are assholes anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, they'd bark. They'll bark about anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't say yeah. bulldog, did I? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just making sure. <laughs> oh um, man, that's what I love about you, Jake. Transparency makes me yeah. podcasting. Um, well, you know, we started we started talking about the rivalry, of course, on our last episode, and got into working together. And uh, Jake was excited to get to work with you again, you know, because of this chemistry that oh, you guys had yeah, built. Um, uh, you know, it's like uh, wrestling is just like doing a dance, and you know, and and we we had great chemistry from the get go, and I believe that's because we both came from the same school, if you will, of wrestling psychology you know, the, the old school way. And, uh, and it was like, after the first couple of times, it's almost like, I mean, we talk in the ring, but it's almost like we didn't need to. I mean, it's like, you know, I, I and Jake is the same. Yeah. You know, I would do something. He would position himself. He, you know, you know, stagger over into the corner and turn around and say, oh, okay, boom, chop, whatever. So there was a lot of things that we did in a match where we didn't even have to talk about it. We just, we just, we just fed each other. That's it. That's it. I've heard about tag team partners getting like that, where it's like after yeah. a while, you can just kind of give somebody a look and they know exactly what, what's coming next. Well, or what your they need your action causes my reaction. Yeah, exactly. Or your reaction causes my action. Yeah. Mm. Both ways. Yeah. Man, interesting. A lost art for sure. Yeah, it's, absolutely it's, is. And Jake, man, what, what, uh, what WrestleMania did we work at? Six. That, was that Canada? Yeah. Skydome. Yeah. Skydome, yeah. and I took a part of your buddy and gave it to Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Nah, and you know what? what? She fucking kept it, too. <laughs> <laughs> she might have been the richest uh, person in the building, yeah, and she's well, keeping the money. There was, was no sweat off of Jake's butt because it was my money. <laughs> Oh. oh man! Well, we've got the clips from uh, WrestleMania coming up. Uh, before we get there, let's let's get back to Survivor Series '89. It's all Hulkamaniacs and the Million Dollar Team. And Ted, you've got Zeus on your side. He's a huge guy, fantastic look. But he was the brains of that team. <laughs> <laughs> he was the one holding it all together. Man, he's an actor. Like, and and here he is. He's working with some of these really, you know, polished, experienced performers. Ted, what do you think of the whole thing? Oh gosh, you know, I was just hoping that it didn't all crash. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's asking a lot of of anybody to just step into a ring um and and sort of, you know, familiarize themselves, but fortunately he got out of there quickly. Um it, I did want to mention too, Jake, up to this point, I'm not seeing any mentions of you working on the way to Survivor Series. You had returned in October, but I'm not seeing anything about you having matches <sighs> in, at the house shows or anything. Were they being extra cautious with you coming off your neck injury? Yeah, they're waiting to see how it went. Yeah, man, definitely for the best. But I mean, you're back in with both feet following Survivor Series, um, Ted. And just it, so you know, the the injury that Jake had to his neck it wasn't yeah. Ted. <laughs> no, well, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Fast forward, you know, uh, that's what ended up. That's what you know, I ended up having the same thing. That's what ended your yeah, career, yeah, like uh, like uh, C five, C six. Yeah. They did a fusion deal, and, and um, I was about to turn 40. And, and because, you know, my dad had 
died wrestling when he was 45 years old. I just told myself, I'm, you know, I'm not going to stay too long. I mean, there's other things I can do. You know, I could be a manager. I could, you know, other things I could do. I, I don't have to stay in the ring. And I, I just made it a, just a personal thing that, you know, after 40, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And so it kind of all happened about that time. Jake, do you think that if you had been a little bit older whenever you got this injury, you would have considered hanging it up or just weren't ready? If it was a little bit older, no, because I still wanted, I still had a lot to prove mm-hmm. um, to my father and to myself. And, you know, when you've been out there for years and you haven't really gotten that one good push and let, let go for a while, to see what you can do. You'll always dream about doing it. And I didn't want to dream about doing it and give up after three years of being up there. Right. Not to mention if we can give our listeners a little context, like it's not like you guys had these insurance policies or anything like that. You're all, you're all independent contractors and it's, you know, this is, this is it. This is your full income and you're doing something that you loved and have dreamed about doing your whole life. Like, man, Ted, good on you for saying, you know what? I'm just not going to put my body through it anymore. Um, Cause that's, that's gotta be a tough choice to make. Oh, and it was, you know, it was, um, and I, you know, I, I, I think I did okay as a, as a, as a, as a manager, but there, there were so many times when I was on the outside of the ring watching where, you know, in, in my head, I'm going, uh, gosh, you know, if, you know, if I could just get in the ring with this guy, I could do this with him. I could do that with him. And I know Jake thought that way as yeah. well about a lot of guys. So, well, Jake, oh, yeah. Jake is still active with AEW. Jake, you ever watching these guys in the ring and say like, man, I could really teach these kids a couple things. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Not with Lance. Oh, no. He's there. <laughs> no, I, I'll never say that because he, he's pretty much got his act together. They just need to let him loose. Hopefully that's coming soon. Um, and, well, so after Survivor Series, uh, like I said, Jake, you're, you're jumping back in with both feet. You guys are trading victories on the house show loop, including a match in MSG on December 28th in front of 13,000 excited fans. Uh, you two had a lot of history together up to this point, but would you say that you were still kind of refining your work together as you're making these towns? Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, oh, yeah. if you ever quit learning, you need to quit. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting because, you know, I, I think a, a lot of wrestling fans kind of look at it like, well, you know, there are a couple of veterans. They know each other. It's probably like very formulaic town after town doing the same thing. But really, you guys yeah. are you guys are learning and saying, hey, that maybe didn't work this time. Let's try this next time. Something yeah. like that, we, right? want, we also want to know why it didn't work. Yeah. And, and you know, I, and again, uh, and I'm not knocking Rick at all, but a lot of times if you watch Rick flair work enough it's almost like he has the same match yeah every, every night, night. Yeah, he does. I mean, you, you can just anticipate what he's gonna do and, the same bumps everything yeah and you know that's that's uh, as far as we're concerned anyway that's not that's not where it's at man no so all of your matches as you guys are going is it just completely called in the ring along the way yeah yeah i mean like if we were like in a, in a program and like, okay, based on maybe what we did last week, this is what they saw last. And we might talk about like, since that's what they saw last, maybe we should start this way. Start, you know, based on what they saw the last time, 
yeah. you know, kind of like if I, you know, you know, really screwed him over and what have you. And, and uh, you know, and instead of just get in the ring, like you're going to, I'm, I'm in the ring and he just comes running down the aisle slide is in and, and chases me around the ring until he catches me. You know, and I think we actually did a spot like that, but we would talk about something like that, like a beginning, but only based on history we already had. And other than that, everything in the middle was ad lib, you know, and then, and then, the, you know, when it's, and that's the other thing too, is when you're doing it and, and you, and you, you learn, it's, it's, it's like, it's an acquired skill listening to the crowd. It's like, you, you know, you just know. And, and then when you really got them and you're, and you know, they're there, you know, when to go. Yeah. And, and, and let's take it home. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like making a bowl of soup. You got potato, you got the stock, you got the meat. Oh, it needs a little salt and pepper. You know, that might be a heat spot or, or a comeback spot, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you just keep adding it and build it, add it and build it, add it and build it. Finally, the soup's fucking ready. Let's get it out of the pot and into the bowls. Mm -hmm. That's when you dump it and go home. <laughs> Uh, the perfect analogy. And yeah, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be uh, behind the scenes for a couple wrestling shows. And on a couple of occasions, I've seen some of these young guys going through the steps backstage where they're like yeah. locking up and doing uh, go behinds. And, uh, and I know, this, man. And, and it's Makes like, me sick. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's... I, I'll be honest. And I've said this before. Um, I watch some girls work and think they actually work better than a lot of the guys yeah yeah i mean they 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 tell a better story you know which is what it's about it's like you know it's kind of like you know uh i don't know you know vince made a soap opera out, out of the business but uh it's, it's it's not what's going on in the dressing room and out in the hall and out out, out in the parking lot the stories the the story that you tell in the match and that's that's where you get them and that's that's just not i don't know it doesn't seem to be important anymore because when i watch these guys now i, I look like i'm watching a circus act you know they're just bouncing around the ring taking bumps and not selling shit yeah it has changed an awful lot, but let me say, you guys were telling a great story here. You know, we're marching toward WrestleMania, and on the way, of course, we've got the Royal Rumble. Uh, Ted is in the ring by himself when Jake enters, and if anyone had any doubts that uh, what the two of you were doing was working, this next clip is going to speak for itself. Side. 
So uh, Ted wound up actually working that match for, uh, God, whatever, like an hour. Uh, he's the first entrant. And before Jake comes out, he eliminated two people in the crowd. You know, we kind of heard a little bit of it, but it was just really, really strong heat. But then as soon as Jake comes out, everybody knows that uh, yeah. shit's about to go down. And, man, that pop. Jake, just yeah. you teasing the the, the DDT yeah. was getting a reaction. Oh, yeah. Man, just yeah. absolutely incredible. I mean, were you guys getting reactions like that while you are on the house show loop as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. If, if it wasn't, we were pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, by this point, you guys had to know that you're on the way to WrestleMania, but it's got to feel like you've got lightning in a bottle here, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. We knew yeah. you. We knew we did, man. Yeah. It was good. Well, as great as that moment was, perhaps an even greater, or at least maybe more memorable moment, aired the night before, which was really kind of what set you guys up for WrestleMania. Jake came down to the ring during Ted's match to claim a, a, a little prize, and we have the clip right now. You're gonna stand up here and say, if you want the belt, you can come and get it. Brother, we don't need no special invitation sent in the mail, no card, no letter, no nothing. You're good enough for me, and there's no time like the present for Damien and I to do just that. I wouldn't swear to it, but I think that means what? A jerk. Jerk the snake. Here he comes. Jerk the snake coming into the ring. <laughs> I love it. Man, <laughs> just fantastic story. Virgil wasn't going to go after it then. <laughs> well, you got that right. Yeah. Well, you know, I argued that point with Vince. I said, you know, Vince, we got to do something, man, because. If I'm wrestling Ted, Virgil should just walk over and undo the fucking bag and dump it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so that's just, you know, it's bullshit. So we got to do something. He said, well, what do you want to do? 
I said, well, let me do an interview where I have about 10 different poisonous snakes. And I just put up the fact that, hey, it might be a Damien, it might be Damien, or it could be this, or it could be this, or it yeah. could be this diamondback rattlesnake or Mexican yeah. rattlesnake. Yeah. And I remember doing that, and I didn't get to the damn studio till like 3 a.m. Oh. And I was way too drunk. <laughs> and I let go of the wrong end of the rattlesnake. I let go of the head and I shake the tail. <laughs> oh I was supposed to shake the head and let the tail rattle, you know? But the snake kind of turns and looks at me like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you know, and didn't bite me. Oh, God. He didn't bite you. No, he did not. Oh, was wow. he devenomized? No. Oh, my no. goodness. It was a real deal. My goodness. Well, so there's there's a story. That'll sober you up quick. Yeah, it did, it did whenever I seen it. I couldn't remember doing that. And then when I seen it, I went, oh, my God. Well, I've got to find this footage now. I've never oh, yeah. seen that promo. It's got to be out there. Oh, it is. Uh, do you guys remember who would have come up with uh, the storyline of stealing the million-dollar belt? Because it's really kind of a linchpin thing with your rivalry now. <sighs> Uh, I'm sure that's his idea. I mean, that's always the thing. If if um, if the heel has a special thing or that it's his, mm -hmm. and he teases you with it, you gotta want to steal it. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know whether it's a a, a glove, a boot, a belt, yeah, a jockey strap. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to steal that last one. No. <laughs> uh, well, Jake, would this mean that you'd be traveling not only with a snake now, but also the million dollar belt? I can't remember if Virgil took care of it and I got it each night or something. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember either. I, I, I would remember. hope not. I know one time Virgil was always supposed to take care of the belt. And one time he had set it down somewhere and I snatched it. And, uh, I think that was Fresno, California. And Ted was getting the rental car and turns around and the damn belt's gone. He thinks Virgil's got it. Virgil thinks he's got it. Oh, no. Then they realize it's gone. <laughs> and when they finally get to the hotel, because they looked all over that fucking airport for it, when they finally get to the hotel, I'm sitting in the restaurant with the belt on the table. <laughs> You're like you motherfucker! Oh yeah! Oh gosh! Teddy had to be about Teddy. Teddy was getting ready to make a phone call he did not want to make. Yeah. Oh god! Yes, I lost the belt. There was a yeah, there was another night that I thought I had lost the belt, and I was in Boston. Boston. I was in Boston, and um, oh gosh, I'm just trying to think. I can't remember the whole story, but I, I remember looking around and going like you know where 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 in the hell could the oh it was supposed to be in somebody i put it in the back in the back of somebody's car uh, and whoever's car got that was got broken into oh I shit! Thought, i thought the belt's gone oh. but that, that wasn't the car the belt was in but i <laughs> called but i did i called vince that night and i said vince this is just happened i said I said, I think we've lost the belt. You know, somebody broke into the car. Da 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 da. He says, No, don't worry about it. It's insured. We'll get another one. And hung up. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Man, yeah, and, uh, he was just mad. I woke him up. 
<laughs> Ted revealed on our podcast that that belt was worth about $40,000 when it was purchased. Yeah. Um, inflation, uh, we're talking about over $100,000 today. Not to mention, wow. you know, it's been on TV and, and everything else. So, man, yeah. be nice to still. And have- I held it for a while. You should have, should have, should have lost it. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, all the stones in that belt, and I think they said there was over seven hundred in the face of the belt. They're all cubic zirconium, and I, 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 I didn't know what the hell that was. And my wife said it's almost a diamond. Yeah, you know. So, uh, but the rib is on the back of the real belt. There are three real diamonds right up at the top. And nobody ever sees them. When I saw those, I said, what's that? They said, those are real diamonds. I said, why? Nobody's going to see them. He says, well, when anybody asks you if the, the diamonds in the belt are real, you can say yes and you won't be lying. It was like a rib. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. So you thought of everything. Because we this. won't lie. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, no. Gosh, they never do. No. The wrestlers well, don't lie. We all know how this one. (laughs) Trust me. Uh, We all know how this one wraps up. Uh, You two are on a collision course at WrestleMania, the Sky Dome. Uh, Before the match, Jake cuts a promo that I've seen on a lot of top 10 lists for the greatest promos in wrestling history. So that's going to be our final clip this week is the promo. But then we've also got a a post produced supercut of the uh, iconic match between the two of you guys in front of more than 67,000 people at the Sky Dome. Jake the Snake Roberts, the match is at hand. Well, well, the million dollar man, Ed DiBiase. Here we are at WrestleMania, and it's the biggest match of your career. Why? Because everything you stand for is on the line, namely the million dollar belt. Oh, yeah. It can be yours once again. You see, all you have to do to get it back (laughs) is go through Damien and me. But you see, Damien and I don't forget, we remember all the times you made people grovel for your money. These were people far less fortunate than you. People who could use your money for essentials. And what did you do? You made fun of them. You humbled them. And you humiliated them. Well, now it's my turn. I'm going to make you beg, DiBiase. You are going to get down on your hands and knees. This time, You'll be the one that's humbled. This time, you'll be the one that's humiliated. And this time, you will be the one that grovels for the money. And how appropriate (laughs) that the money you grovel for is your very own. A victim of your own greed, wallowing in the muck of avarice. Oh gosh, Jake! I, I remember that. I remember that. That was the gosh, one of the best promos I think you ever cut. But uh, Jake was, uh, Jake was, he's always been, you know. And when anybody asked me, you know, you know who 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 does the best promo in wrestling, I said Jake Roberts. I tell yeah. people that all the time. That's what I do too. Yeah. <laughs> Between the two of us, we got to be right. <laughs> the two of you are really putting that out there. And man, yeah. it's like, holy smokes, Jake, that was a hell of a promo. Yeah. Um, it so was. It was strong. And Mean Gene punctuated it pretty nicely with the Longfellow comment there at the end. So, well, uh, the thing that, that makes it so good is that uh, he hit everything that, you know, uh, about my character and, and, and what I was doing. And made it so real to the people who were listening. Like, yeah, that no good son of a bitch. You know, 
There was no fat on that promo. Yeah, it was perfect. Yep. He, everything that he said was important, relevant, just man, fantastic. Jake, was that off the cuff or uh, that was off the cuff? But Vince did give me an extra 10 grand for that promo. Did he? <laughs> no, fuck no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I bought it. Such too. a mark. <laughs> Damn, Lord, your name I am is a mark. Us, I am a mark. I totally bought it. <laughs> Well, Jesus. it's like I said, it's on top 10 lists of promos. Uh, I've seen it on a bunch of them. So, man, it's a, absolutely historic. And speaking of historic, this match that you guys did is phenomenal. We've got the super cut right now. match uh even just seeing the clips of it it's man the chemistry between the two of you guys and uh just kind of the overall ambience i know everybody tends to talk about warrior and hogan whenever they talk about wrestlemania 6 but but dude that match uh it's got to be one of the all-time greats in wrestlemania history i would uh, think so. i don't know why they talk about hogan and warrior <laughs> neither one of them can really work holsters <laughs> I mean, uh i mean he, yeah, I mean, I say he can't really work. I mean, he's not like he he could work his gimmick. He knew yeah. he knew what that gimmick was, and he he did it very well. But you know, like Hulkster's not guy, and again, he's not the kind of guy who should be doing arm drags and takeovers and some of the stuff that, that Jake and I do in a match. But yeah, so I'm just, just teasing. But yeah, uh, Ted, I know you've said it's your favorite WrestleMania match of all time, right? Yeah, it was easy to see why. And uh, Jake, I know you've got a hard out here in a few minutes, but before we go, I, you know, we mentioned Warrior. Um, so Warrior is on the rise here, and obviously he's going to become the champion there in WWE. I know that you guys would both have some issues with him uh, down the road, but up until this point, you know, I, I've heard people say like, "Yeah, he was a great guy until he won the championship." Not necessarily about Warrior, but about anybody. Uh, did you guys get along with him at all leading up to the whole thing, or was nope. it always just like? <laughs> Nope. Uh, nope. So he wasn't even a great guy before he, he no. reached the pinnacle. He was no. never a great guy. I mean, Man. you know, he was a selfish SOB. He didn't care about anybody but himself. And, and you know, it's like, you know, like, you know, the unwritten uh, thing in wrestling is 
you know, I was always taught, you know, in, in the course of a match, some things can go wrong or somebody slips. Always try to protect the other guy. That's the number one rule. Always try to protect your your, your opponent. And if he's doing the same thing, everything is going to work out. The warrior didn't give a crap about anybody, and he didn't care if he hurt you. No, he didn't. Yeah. And, and and just I, you know, there's not I, I can't I can't think of anybody else. I mean, there's other people that that I didn't like so much or whatever, but that is the only guy that hands down was just you know. I, I think I can't yeah. find a word for it. Don't so, uh, need one. <laughs> well yeah and i mean what you're saying has certainly been corroborated by enough people now that i think uh, the the listeners or fans of, of wrestling know by this point like man it's just maybe not a great guy cool look you know uh, i guess you could say he was uh it was a a good performer in that you know he drew a crowd but man yeah. the, the aside from that there was just nothing under the hood well i mean well, once uh, you've seen him you've seen him yeah yeah he did the same thing every night you know and that was the other thing uh, you know i didn't understand I really don't understand how, well, I think I understand now, how Vince would, you know, make that guy his champion. Of course, I mean, Vince has always been kind of, you know, he likes the guys with the big bodies and look at the, 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 just came off a muscle and fitness magazine look, but this guy had nothing else, nothing else, you know, but maybe it's just the, what Vince's ego. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch me make something out of this guy. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Once we make chicken soup out of chicken shit. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I've got a split. I'm going to let you guys finish this up, all right? No problem. Jake, thanks all for right. jumping in. I know you're busy as hell. All right, buddy. All right, Take care. See ya. Well, uh, look, Ted, we were going to wrap this thing up anyways. Um, so, man, I can't thank you enough for joining us. What a what a historic, incredible rivalry between yourself and Jake. Just like, man, so, so fun to watch. Uh, and you know, hopefully all of the folks that are enjoying this podcast are going to, to come and join us over on everybody's got a pod because Ted is over there telling stories every single week. And, uh, man, it's, it, it's certainly plenty to tell after your long career. Am I right? Yeah, you got it. As long as you can pull it out of me, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes I, you know, you give me a hint, you know, it's, and wrestlers do that all the time. Like you get a bunch of guys together and. Somebody will say something, and and it'll, and, and then one of the other guys will, oh, that reminds me, but and they and they go off on a story that they might not have remembered until somebody reminded them of it. So anyway, well, we are making it happen over there on Everybody's Got a Pod, uh, guys. I want you to give Ted a follow on social media at MDM Ted DiBiase on all social platforms. Follow Jake at Jake Snake DDT on Twitter, on Instagram at Jake the Snake DDT, and on Facebook at Real Jake the Snake. Follow me on Twitter at Marcus P. D'Angelo, and you can follow the Snake Pit and Everybody's Got a Pod on all platforms at Snake Pit Pod and Ted DiBiase Pod, respectively. Ted, I thank you again for joining us. Uh, looking forward to uh, having another chat with you later this week on our podcast. Uh, I can't wait, buddy. We'll see you then. And just remember, everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. <laughs> <laughs> No better way to end this one. We will catch you guys next time right here on The Snake Pit.